Hello and welcome to another episode of the English 2.0 podcast. This is teacher interview number eight. Today I have a great guest on the line. His name is Eric Peterson and he is from the University of Wisconsin, Stout, and that is in the U.S. And Eric and I have been friends for a long time and uh, he has a lot of experience teaching English uh, in Japan. He taught in Japan for several years and now the last several years he's been a lecturer at the University of Wisconsin Stout and he's had a really really long experience of teaching and he has a lot of great insights that will really help you with your journey to improve your English. So he's going to share his best tips today on how to improve your English. Also, he has a lot of unique insights on many different students and their strengths and weaknesses because he teaches students from all around the world. And he's going to share a little bit of that experience with you in this interview. So I want you to listen carefully. Don't miss that. Also, uh, there is a transcript again for this uh, episode of the podcast. So if you need that, please go to the show notes, and there should be a link there. Um, you can go to a quick link. That'll be at alsensei.com forward slash TI8. Stands for Teacher Interview 8. And you'll find the link there for the transcript of this interview. Now, the transcript does take a lot of work, and there are, there are some costs that go into the podcast. So I'd really, really appreciate it. If you would consider donating and helping out the English 2.0 podcast, you can do that by going to alsensei.com forward slash help out, all one word, alsensei.com, H-E-L-P-O-U-T. And even $1 a month is very helpful. I do appreciate that. And that goes to helping getting even more transcripts, better sound quality, and more podcast episodes for you so I can help you better. Please, please consider that. And in addition, you'll even get access to the English 2.0 Insiders Facebook group. It's a private group. Fantastic group. I can't believe all you have to do is give $1 a month and get access to that. It's it's incredible. So go ahead and uh, take advantage of that. Okay, so let's get into the interview with Eric. And here he is. All right, today we have Eric Peterson on the line, and he is coming to us today from Wisconsin. Hello, Eric. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going, Al? Uh, just great, just great, and uh, must be pretty cold <laughs> over there this time of the year. Actually, it's a balmy uh, 28 degrees right now. That's Fahrenheit, not, not Celsius. I see, 28 uh, Fahrenheit, and what would you say that'd be in Celsius? Probably about minus one or two, huh? Uh, yeah, minus two, minus, yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> balmy. What does balmy mean? Um, it means warm and humid. <laughs> wow, wow. It's like in Yokohama here today, it's probably about 10 degrees uh, Celsius, so, and it feels cold. <laughs> Quite a difference. Yes, yes, indeed. So just to give uh, some of our global listeners here uh, an idea of where you are located, where is, uh, well, first of all, where in Wisconsin are you, and where is Wisconsin in the U.S.? Uh, Wisconsin is in the middle of the United States, uh, a little bit south of Canada, 
Um, I am in a town called Menominee, which is in western Wisconsin, not that far from the border of Minnesota. So if, okay. you, if you can find the Mississippi River, then you can probably uh, go to the east a little bit and uh, find Menominee. Menominee, it sounds like a Native American uh, name. It is actually a Native American name. It means uh, people of rice or people of the rice. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe they could use that uh, in Japan as well. I, I suppose they could. <laughs> All right. Enough of the bad jokes here. Uh, so you are currently working at a university. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. I uh, teach English as a second language at the uh, ESL uh, Institute at the University of Wisconsin Stout in uh, Menominee, Wisconsin. Um, this is my fourth full year at Stout. And uh, we have a multitude of language or levels at uh, our institute where, you know, from complete beginner to people who are almost ready to enter academic classes. So, yeah, most okay. most of our students have come here because they already possess a two-year degree from their home country, but they want to earn a four-year degree. So what they'll do is if their English isn't good enough to go into academic classes right away, they'll come to the English Language Institute, learn all the uh, English that they would need. So it'd be English for academic purposes. And uh, once they've graduated from the ESLI, they're able to move on to academic classes and earn their four-year degree at Stout. Wow, excellent. So uh, you are a lecturer, if I understand correctly? Yes, yes. I'm an ESL lecturer. That is my official title, I guess. Okay, it's a fancy great. word for teacher. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you got to give your proper credentials here. So what is your class like? What do students learn or how do they uh, go about acquiring English as a second language? Well, um, I teach two classes, um, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Uh, my first class is a low intermediate reading and writing class. Um, in that class, we focus a lot on grammar and making sure that students are able to um, kind of just start the writing process. The, the ultimate goal is to get them writing, you know, coherent paragraphs by the, by the end of uh, the semester that they're with me. Um, we build their vocabulary. We get them reading some authentic texts uh, in my class and work on reading comprehension and, um, just just trying to give them a good, strong foundation grammatically and get them writing decent paragraphs and, and making sure that they understand how the writing process in English works, especially um, when it comes to writing at the university level. I see. And the other class? Uh, the other class is a low advanced uh, speaking and listening class. Um, in that class, we work a lot on fine-tuning their uh, English ability. We do a lot of work with uh, authentic videos, and we also work a lot on their study skills and in order to uh, better prepare them how to manage uh, academic classes and the types of uh, strategies that they'll need in order to succeed in those classes. Okay, excellent. Uh, all right, wonderful. So... Um where are your students from, for the most part? Are they from Asia or 
South America, or where do they come from? Um, a lot of our students are from uh, Saudi Arabia and okay. uh, some other uh, countries in the Middle East, um, but mostly Saudi Arabia. There's a, a good number of students from China as well. Um, we have a few students from Korea. I believe we're going to be getting some students from Japan soon. Um, but in the past, we've had Thai students. We've had Vietnamese students. We've had quite a few Brazilian students. Um, I think uh, there's one student from Venezuela right now. But uh, yeah, they're, they're from all over the place. Wow, that sounds like a very fun and interesting class. Lots of different backgrounds and cultures. Yeah, it makes it, 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 it promotes, you know, it, it, it's hard for them to speak to other students in their native language um, because there are, you know, a decent variety of languages in the class. So it's easy to pair people up and you're, they're essentially forced to, to speak in English because, you know, somebody from Saudi Arabia and someone from Venezuela don't speak the same native language, so they have to communicate in English. Right, right, right. And are there any differences between them as far as uh, strengths and weaknesses? Or I, I, We had a little bit of a chat about this off the uh, call here, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I some mean... Some of the uh, cultures are different. Sure. I mean, yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, differences in culture uh, and... and you know, the, the students have different strengths. Um, like a lot of the Saudis, they love to talk. They're very oral. They have a, they have a strong oral tradition in, um, in their, their culture. And that's how they pass down their stories. And so they, they love to talk and they'll just take off on any subject. And that's, uh, that really works well for them. So we don't really have to worry about, you know, prompting them to speak because you just tell them a subject and they'll, They'll talk about it for a long time. On the other hand, there's, you know, a lot of the Asian students, their schooling experience in their home countries has been a bit more like rote memorization. So they're used to just sitting there and listening to what the teacher has to say and taking notes. So their strengths are more reading comprehension and taking tests and things like that. But we try and match the two different types of students up with each other so they can actually help each other improve in uh the weak areas that uh, each student may have. Right, fantastic. I'm sure they can learn a lot from each other. That's the theory, at least, yeah. <laughs> so, as I ask all the guests here on the podcast, if a student comes up to you and says, how can I improve my English? How do you respond to that? Um, well, I think, I mean, the obvious answer is practice. Um, but the question you have to ask yourself is, do I just go home and practice myself? Do I just read my textbooks? And I would say no. Honestly, the best way to practice is find something you enjoy and do it in the language that you're studying. Because learning a language just to learn the language, it's probably not that effective. I mean, it's possible and lots of people do it. However, if you need that language in order to access some sort of activity that you enjoy, that is going to make the language the key that unlocks the door to goals that you're setting for yourself in said activity. So if you really enjoy reading, well, if you want to read about other cultures, then try and read things in the language that you're studying. And that is going to double down, so to speak, on uh, the experience that you're having in that you're going to learn a language and get a lot of practice that way. But you're also going to be doing something that you enjoy. 
So I always tell my students that they should go and join clubs, find an activity that they enjoy. And the language just happens because they need the language in order to participate in that activity. Right. So actually uh, applying what they've learned in the real world. As I always tell my students, it's, uh, it doesn't really matter what you can do here in the class. It matters what you can do outside of this classroom. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, most of our students are going to move on to academic classes and they're going to have to interact with native speakers. So I try and encourage my students to get out there and make as many native speaker friends as possible in order just to improve their fluency, improve their listening, um, and just make friends because through, through people, you're going to start to understand the culture a lot better. And if you understand the culture, you're going to understand when and where and how to properly use the language that you're learning because you, you can't really separate culture from language. So you, they, they go hand in hand. It's an excellent point that the, the culture is really, really integrated with the uh, language. Um, can you give us an example of that? Well, I mean, a specific example of how culture is related to language, I can't provide one right off the top of my head. However, one thing that I do tell my students to do is, even though a lot of my students are Muslim and they don't drink, I tell them to go to the bar. And I don't want them to go and drink if they're not comfortable doing that. If that's you know part of their religion, then by all means, don't drink. However, it's still a really good way to meet people and experience one facet of American culture, especially, you know, American college, small town culture. Uh, you know, that's, that's how, that's how you get to know people and then you can experience their, you know, they'll tell you about their lives, especially like, okay, small town America, it's a farming community. So a lot of my students, they've never seen a farm. They've never milked a cow before, or they, they've <laughs> never um, been to a farm or seen giant fields of corn or anything like that. You know, they can make friends and through making friends, their friends are going to maybe take them home and for Thanksgiving break or for Christmas break. And they're going to be able to experience that part of American culture um, just through making friends. Their friends are going to want to share their culture with them and that, you know, possibly their friends are going to be interested in their culture. So they can, you know, teach them about Saudi Arabia or China or, or you know, Korea or wherever they're from. So even though you don't drink, the bar is still a good place to socialize in English. I mean, I always tell my students that I never drank in college, which I didn't, but I still went to the bar and I hung out with my friends and I talked to people. So it's, it's a really good place because people who are drinking, they, they might feel a little uh, less hesitant to, to speak to someone from a different culture. I mean, I'm not trying to promote going to the bar and obviously. It's a place where, where people go and talk and relax and hang out and watch sports. Um, they eat. You know, you can experience different types of American food. You can experience uh, American sports. So, yeah, it is a relatively easy and inexpensive way to experience many different facets of, uh, of American culture. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I, I always tell my students that, too, if they're going, like, uh, on a business trip, you know, a lot of my students now are business people. So if they're going abroad to the States, I always tell them, Make sure you go to a sports bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That is like the heart of American culture right there. I think it's kind of the equivalent of the izakaya in Japan. If people are familiar with that, it's a typical uh, Japanese uh, style pub where all the workers go after work. I think it's kind of similar in America, not the actual place, but the cultural aspects. Like you, people go there after work to go get a drink. Sure. Uh, they want to watch sports, get together with friends, have some good food. 
So yeah, definitely. If you uh, whether you drink or not, this bar, a sports bar, or a, you know, a bar and grill, I guess as they're known, uh, like Fridays or Applebee's, you know, yeah, uh, anything like that. I mean, yeah, you don't have to drink at all. Just experience the culture, and I completely agree. It's like you've been watching the English 2.0 podcast. <laughs> Maybe I have. Well, yeah, it was funny when you were talking about that. Uh, the last episode was called The Green Pigeon. And I won't go into the whole story now, but everybody should check that one out if you haven't. Uh, basically, uh, a student of mine, his hobby is bird watching. And he told me the story about the green pigeon. And it's a very rare bird. Anyway, uh, through his passion and for his hobby, you know, he started to put uh, posts about it or photos. And he had an email address. And people from around the world started contacting him and his group because they were interested in seeing the green pigeon sure. in Japan. So, sounds and like a superhero. That, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, through that, uh, he made you know, a lot of contacts and friends from other countries. And although he didn't start it to practice speaking English, he was able to practice speaking English. <laughs> so wow. about what he enjoys and his, his hobby and in a real world you know, situation. So oh, that, that is what it's all about. So why don't we wrap it up here? Um, if anyone is interested in signing up for your program and visiting beautiful Menominee, Wisconsin, how can they go about it? Um, well, if they go to www.uwstout.edu, they can gather information about the, in the search bar, you, you should be able to type in ESLI and uh, information would come up about the program. Also on Facebook, you can check us out at UW Stout English Language Institute. Just uh, search that in Facebook and it should uh, come up there and you'll be able to see lots of pictures of uh, Current and uh, former students kind of get a feel for the program and, and what we do there. So those are probably the two easiest ways to uh, get some information about Stout. Excellent. Uh, I'll put uh, links to those in the show notes as well. Great. And as we always end every episode, I have to ask you the question. Uh, you're in Menominee, Wisconsin. And what is there to do there? Or what are your sightseeing tips or number one tip for sightseeing in Wisconsin or Menominee? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, the Red Cedar Trail, actually. Uh, it's uh, the Red Cedar River runs through Menominee, and there's a, a biking and running trail um, that's very popular. And it's actually quite a nice bike and run. Um, you can also uh, ski on it in the wintertime. That's a uh, cross-country ski. Yeah, right? cross-country ski, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, not not downhill, that. sorry. Not downhill. Right. That would be uh, one really nice place to go and visit. There's a lot of lakes in the area, so you can do a lot of fishing, whether it's ice fishing in the winter or uh, you know fishing on a boat or off a dock in the, in the spring or summer and fall. Um, there's a lot of outdoor activities here, that's for sure. So, I mean, um, while Menominee is a small town, um, they do have quite a few things that you can do uh, in the outdoors and, um, and around town. I mean, there's multiple different uh, shops. Uh, Menominee is really famous. Well, I shouldn't say famous, but they do have quite a few antique shops that people from uh, all over western Wisconsin and eastern Minnesota come to to do a lot of shopping. So that's uh, one thing. If you're into that sort of thing, it's uh, a good place for that. Excellent. Thank you. So any final tips for the listeners out there, final messages? Uh, I would say just... Uh, Studying anything 
is frustrating at times. I know it sounds cliche, but you just got to keep pushing forward. You're not going to always make progress, and sometimes progress is going to go really, really slowly. But if you just keep pushing forward, and don't worry about making mistakes in terms of language. Everybody makes mistakes. Native speakers make mistakes. So just get out there and, and use your language the best you can, whether it's going to the store and practicing a couple sentences with one of the store's clerks or trying to read a newspaper or something like that. Just get out and use your language. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Okay, wonderful. Well, Eric Peterson from University of Wisconsin Stout uh, Campus, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, I highly recommend that you sign up for the course, and we'll put links to those in the show notes, of course. And um, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric Peterson. And if you need the transcript, you can go ahead and uh, get that at alsensei.com forward slash TI8 for this interview, Teacher Interview 8. And go ahead and download that. Also, just a reminder, uh, quickly, if you can help out, please do so. alsensei.com forward slash help out. Even $1 a month uh, will go to help me produce even more and even greater episodes of the English 2.0 podcast and help get more fantastic guests as well. All right. So thank you again for tuning in. Again, please access my free pronunciation course, alsensei.com forward slash English. All right, that's all for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the English 2.0 podcast. Good luck, everyone, and have a wonderful day.